this season on More and More Every Day. Let's do something together every day to be better oral historians. I don't know about you, but I love a daily task, whether it's a writing prompt to get me focused or a quick icebreaker to start class discussion. I love short, easy challenges. That's why this season's 10-minute or so episodes will feature experts, like-minded colleagues, resources, and things I'm learning along the way. But each episode will also end with a prompt, something you and I can do that day to improve our skills as oral historians. I'm your host, Summer Sherland. Let's do this. Welcome back. We are nearing the end of our second season of the More and More Everyday podcast. And as we do, I'd like to take some time to hear from colleagues and practitioners of oral history. So that's why the next several episodes are all titled the same, the best advice I ever got. In each episode, I interview an oral historian about what brought her to our craft, suggestions for enterprising oral historians like you and me, and the best advice she ever got. Each episode and interview will bring up ideas and prompts for you, and I want you to be creative here. Design your own prompt based on your own interests, along with what strikes you in the interview. For instance, one of our experts may suggest a book or an article to read, or she might mention something that she's trying to work on and always trying to improve. Use her recommendations or what she's working on as inspiration for your own daily challenge. Let's get started. Today, we're talking with Liz Warren of the Storytelling Institute at South Mountain Community College. My name is Liz Warren. I'm the faculty director of the South Mountain Community College Storytelling Institute. Very good. And the Storytelling Institute is one of the only in the country to do an academic certificate, correct? Yes. As far as, far as I know, I don't know of other community colleges that offer academic certificates in storytelling like we do. Very good. Thank you. So Liz, how were you introduced to oral history? Well, I'm an anthropology major. I have a bachelor's and a master's in anthropology. So I'm sure that during the course of my training, I was introduced to oral history or the idea of oral history. I never studied it. I, I never took a course in it, but I, I'm, I'm sure I would have introduced to it generally, but I know exactly when I was introduced to it specifically. And that was in the eighties when my grandmother, Violet Milliken Carner Warren Irving was interviewed for a book called Doing What the Day Brought, an Oral History of Arizona Women by Mary Rothschild and Pam Hronick. So we were very excited about the fact that she was interviewed. And, and then also what was interesting was when we finally got the book, I was so disappointed in how little of her life was included, mm. right? But of course, Nobody, not much of anybody's life was included. And they had interviewed her for hours. And then they had their themes that they were writing to. And then they used her information as, as, was, as was needed. But I thought at the time, dang, somebody should have done a, an entire book on my grandmother because her life is, or, you know, to me, her life was and still is so fascinating. So that was, that, was the, that was the first conscious memory I have of an oral history. Nice. All right. So what is your favorite thing about doing or using oral history? Well, one thing that I've been, I have been so impressed with about oral history and what I've learned about it and how vibrant a discipline it is right now in America, and I imagine around the world, but it's how it captures the now for history. 
how it captures aspects of life for us to remember. So, for example, I'll never forget when we went to the Southwest Oral History Association conference and learned from the oral historians in Las Vegas what they were doing to document the gun disaster that happened there and what that was taking for them to engage with with capturing that history was just stunning to me and very very moving and i know they're not the only ones doing that so i didn't even i had never really thought before what kind of sacrifice and commitment it took to really capture history in the now for people to use in the future and then beyond that i have just been so moved and inspired by the impact doing oral history has had on our students. I really loved watching how for them to interview people from their community integrates them into their own history in a way they hadn't been before. And, you know, we've heard them talk about that and again and again. I've lived here my whole life. I didn't know about that person. I've lived here my whole life and I didn't know this person did that or that event happened. Um, that is so amazing. You can just feel them getting connected to their own community, their own histories, their own identities. It's just amazing. Um, that's my favorite thing right there, I'd say. <laughs> I share that feeling. I love watching students find relevance and and a sense of place. Is there a book or article that you think could be relevant to oral historians? Absolutely. It's an article that we used in our fact-based and historical stories class last fall. It's called Storytelling by William Cronin. It was his presidential address in 2012. His address is absolutely beautiful and includes his own stories about influential teachers. So it's just, first of all, it's just a good read. And I'm sure it was also very um, enjoyable to listen to as well. I would love to, if there was a recording of it, I'd love to hear it. But his main point is, the whole point of his article is that storytelling is the key to relevance and impact for historians. Mm -hmm. And he makes that point again and again and in different ways throughout his address, and he provides very useful illustrations of that. And he says that if historians aren't connected to story and um, they are going to have a hard time engaging people in their communities, Mm -hmm. that's kind of the bottom line. And so I think any oral historian could be swayed to the importance of storytelling by reading Cronin. He's one of their own. It's not me standing up there saying, hey, you stories. It's William. It's Dr. William Cronin, right? (laughs) And he's a giant in the field, especially in Western history. We'll link to his article in the show notes so listeners can can read it. So this references the next question, um, which is what are some overlaps that you see between the work of oral historians and your work in storytelling? Well, it's kind of like it, the, the metaphor I would use is the iceberg, right? You know, the old the old trope about how the, the part of the iceberg you see above the water um, is small compared to the mass of the iceberg below the water. And I think that is the relationship between story and and oral history. So for a storyteller to create that little iceberg of a story that you see above the water, they have to be connected to that mass of iceberg below the water. So oral history is source for Mm -hmm. storytelling Mm -hmm. or foundation, right? A good A good fact-based or historical story must have that foundation of history. Mm -hmm. 
That's great. Thank you. And in what ways, if at all, has oral history influenced your work or perspective? Well, it really, it really has a lot. And of course, more in the last year or so since we've been actively developing and teaching this class, I would say that I've been very influenced by how engaging it is for storytellers to dive deeply into history to find what they need and to craft an engaging story, and also how interesting it is to see what is attractive for people. So, you know, last semester, we had people who were doing family history brilliantly. We had people, uh, one person who was doing the history of a disaster in Newfoundland, and we had somebody else who was telling us a fact-based story about the guy who invented the Rubik's Cube. Yeah. All based in history, but all things that we wouldn't have been exposed to otherwise. So I, I think that is so important that a storyteller who wants to connect with the wider world following their own interests, develop these little aspects of history and the world that we might not otherwise know about. So I think that is, it's so interesting. Great. Thank you. Do you have any advice for oral historians or people interested in oral history? Well, I I don't know if this is, I I guess this probably is for oral historians. It's what I thought about when I read your question. And it's that it's a rule of thumb that I've heard and, and over the years and repeated over the years, which is almost every story is twice as good when it's half as long. Now, that's not true. I mean, it's not even true half the time. Mm-hmm. You know, plenty of stories are are absolutely excellent in their 20, 30 or 60 minute version. But I still find myself thinking about that so often. What what? is going to be the most effective way, what's going to be the most effective structure, format, whatever, to engage people in this story. And I would rather err on the side of brevity. Mm -hmm. And that's something for all of us, right? Um, Storytellers, you know, they want to tell everything that they know. That's fine. Uh, Historians, we want to tell everything that we know. Or maybe, yes, historians, tell everything you know, please. We got to have it all. But a storyteller then has to look at that and figure out which elements that are going to be the most engaging for their listeners. Because I think what a storyteller can do for history is help people understand that they might be interested in that history by the way they craft a story about it to lead you to it. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, and that can help with oral historians as they're writing their questions, right? Like write short questions, don't write complicated questions. Or it can help an oral historian who's trying to interpret a two or three hour long oral history and use it for their writing, their book or their dissertation and and cut it down. You don't need to put all of this information out there. It's your job to edit it down and use what's relevant, use what's interesting. Well, you know, another another way of putting that in in terms of crafting questions for historians, keep them concrete instead of general. Mm -hmm. So ask ask people to tell about a time when, because as storytellers, what we say to people like, so when we have people do, we have something called the family folklore interview Mm. and to help students get stories from, from their family members, but it's concrete. Where were you born? Where did you live? Tell us about your grandmother's kitchen, right? You get it. If you want, if you want to be able to, to create a story that makes images in people's heads, then you have to ask questions that take your, the person that you're interviewing to a moment in time. 
I love that. That I may come back to you for a future podcast episode just about the family folklore interview. Fantastic. Yeah, I'd, was- I'd love to. So if you say to somebody, it also, it, it opens the door. So if you say to somebody, tell me about your childhood, they'll say like, right. I was small. Right. Yeah. Uh, but if you say, do you remember what color your bike was? <laughs> then you take them to the bike and then they, and then you say, anything interesting happened with that bike? Yeah. I, you know, I, crashed or the dog chased me or whatever let's say we were interviewing some of the people who were involved in the black lives matter protests last summer that got the people that were arrested and things like that we would want to take them to that moment and we'd say what were you wearing Mm -hmm. do you do you remember how hot was it was it a really hot night was it cloudy what street corner were you on do you remember what buildings you saw so that you ground them in that moment and what they're actually seeing. And then when they can do that, the listeners and the readers can, can hear it, can see it too. Mm, that's great. Thank you. Then the okay. last question is, what is one skill or technique that you are either always trying to improve or you're currently trying to improve these days? Um, it's, it's related to the best piece of advice I've ever gotten. So I'm always trying to think about how to bring the past alive for people through effective storytelling mm-hmm. and, and what's going to do that. What's going to be the best format? What's going to be the best subject? What's going to be the best um, focus? Is it a person? Is it an event? You know, how am I going to do that? Mm -hmm. So one of the stories, for example, I was trying to work on last semester was about one of the heroes of Irish folklore, um, James DeLarge. And I, his impact is so huge over so many decades that I decided to focus on a moment when he went into a bookstore that he always went into and met a Norwegian scholar that totally changed the trajectory of his career and allowed him then to create this, to create what he created. So I thought, well, I just went down a crazy rabbit hole around it. I thought, well, how did Seamus get to that bookstore? And of course I did all the crazy research on Google and I, I, I know exactly where that bookstore was. And I know what kind of business is in that building now because it's right on the Liffey. I mean, I've walked by that building a million times myself. So you know, I found it, found the building, found where it was. So I know, and, but I also knew that he was at, at college at University College Dublin, which is some distance. So I thought, how did he get there? So then I discovered that during that period of time, Ireland had one of the most sophisticated tram systems in all of Europe. And that tram went right by University College Dublin and would have taken him right down to the O'Connell Street Bridge where he could have walked two blocks to this bookstore. So I thought, I know he did that. I know he did that. I know he got on that tram to go there. So I have that, (laughs) do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So for me, that's super engaging. Now, I have to admit, when I told it to the students in my class, they were not super engaged. Mm -hmm. So I'm not giving up on that story because I have it so clear in my head. But, But it... I, there's no way I can, in a short story, tell you everything that James DeLarge accomplished for the Irish storytelling tradition. But I can take you to a particular moment when he was a young man, when he met another scholar in a bookstore that changed his entire life. I love it. Is that the story you told me once about the bell? There was a little bell in the shop. In the door. Yes. I imagined, I imagined. see, that's, yeah. that's, that's great that you remembered that. So that. That's right. 
So that's well, I guess that's another piece of advice that we could that we could give to oral historians is you have to involve the senses. Talk about how it he- sounds, smells, feels. Yeah. But when you do, again, you take people to a moment. Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you, Liz. My pleasure. We want to hear from you. Tell us how you did today at SMCC History. Use the hashtag more and more every day on Instagram and Twitter. Our email is historysouthmountain at gmail.com. And I hope you follow us, write a review, or suggest us to a colleague. More and More Every Day is brought to you by the South Phoenix Oral History Project at South Mountain Community College in partnership with the Southwest Oral History Association. Music by Noah Gattel.